And Lord, we, we pray as we hear from your word that you would meet us right where we are, whatever joy or pain that we're going through in our life right now, that you would meet us and that you would speak your word to each one of us today by your spirit. Give us good ears to hear from you today. Amen. We're looking at the Gospel of John, and we're going to be looking at a few different places in the Gospel of John this week. So I would encourage you to go ahead and open up a Bible and turn to John chapter 1. And I'm going to begin by reading verses 1 through 4. John 1, 1 through 4. John begins, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. We're going to start today with another uh, very brief lesson in biblical Greek. Last week, we talked about the Greek word logos and uh, the various nuances of that word uh, that those who first read John's gospel would have heard. That, that logos could mean a word on a page or a word that somebody speaks from their mouth, but it also had these other layers of meaning and that uh, especially Greek philosophers uh, began to develop that the logos, even though that they didn't have the story of the Hebrew scriptures in Genesis, that they could... Sense and they could observe by looking around the world at the world around them that there was order, uh, that, that there was something that held everything together, and they they called that thing whatever it was, and they had different ideas about whether that was a personal thing or an impersonal thing, uh, but whatever that was, many of the Greek philosophers would call that the logos. And so John here begins by talking about the word, the logos, in the beginning. We're going to talk about two other Greek words today that in English we translate as life. Two different words that, um, that we translate from the Greek into English as life. So if you want to take your notes, write life, and then next, next to that, write this word, bios, B-I-O-S, bios. And then there's a second Greek word, zoe, Z-O-E. Bios and Zoe. In our English translations, both of these words are translated as life. But these two words had very different nuances in Greek. I'm going to give you a few examples. The first is from Luke chapter 8, verse 14. And here Luke uses the word bios. The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear... But as they go on their way, they are choked by life's, that is, bios, worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. Or 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. Everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, bios, comes not from the Father, but from the world. Or in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, we are told to pray for kings and all those in authority that we may live peaceful and quiet lives by us in all godliness and holiness. Now let me read you some examples of the word life that's translated as zoe. Luke chapter 12, verse 15. Then Jesus said to them, watch out, be on guard against all kinds of greed. Life, 
Zoe does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Matthew 7, verse 14, small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, Zoe, and only a few find it. John 10, 10, I have come that they may have life, Zoe, and have it abundantly. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life, Zoe. Any time that the word eternal is used to modify to describe the word life, it's the word zoe. Bios life is focused on the stuff of life. Food and water, possessions, sex, money, pain, the bills. And those things aren't bad things, but certainly those things have to do with what we can see what we can touch, what we can taste, what we can control. A few years back, I preached from the book of Ecclesiastes. And in the book of Ecclesiastes, if you remember, that entire book is focused on what life is like under the sun. What life is like under the sun, except for just a couple of times in that book, the teacher of Ecclesiastes does not allow himself to reflect on the reality of life um, as if God was doing something about it. It was all about what life was like if we only focus on what was happening under the sun. The teacher of Ecclesiastes focused his book on the realities of bios, the things of this life, the stuff of this life, things here under the sun. That's what's meant by the word bios when, it, when the Greek word um, for life is, uh, is bios. Zoe, though, is used to, de to describe a deeper and richer and fuller sort of life that may include those things, but that go beyond those things too. Zoe speaks of eternal life, abundant life, a life of shalom, a life of peace, life in relationship with God and right relationship with other people. What we discovered by reflecting on the book of Ecclesiastes a few years ago is that this kind of abundant eternal life cannot be found only by focusing on things under the sun, only by focusing on bios sorts of things. Zoe, eternal abundant life, only comes from beyond the sun. It comes from God as a gift of grace. So Zoe is about experiencing those good things that we can't see, but that we want in the deepest parts of our heart. Love, peace, communion with God, unity with other people. Both bios life and Zoe life are gifts from God. But Zoe is what God really wants to give us. And in the end, it's what all of us really long for. And so let's look back at John chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. So now that you are all Greek scholars... Which word for life do you think John uses here? Bios or zoe? Zoe. In the Logos was zoe. 
Of course, because the Logos is the power and the force of our universe that brought everything into being, that holds everything together. In the Logos, in the Word, was life. In the Logos was Zoe. Zoe is one of John's favorite words. In his gospel, he uses Zoe over 30 times. Um, in his, his letter of 1 John, he uses it another dozen times. He uses it more than any other biblical writer. He had this idea that, that Zoe was this life that could only be given to us from God. John says that in the beginning was the Logos, the Word, and the Word was with God and the Word was God, and in him was Zoe, and that Zoe was the light of men. And John opens his gospel by telling us that this same one, this logos, this, this power, this being with enough wisdom and energy to create the whole world is the one who also then steps into our world and brings life to us. And so what John unfolds in the rest of his gospel is that this logos, this one who brings this eternal kind of life into the world, his name is Jesus. We come to know him in Jesus. I want to turn to the end of the Gospel of John, to John chapter 20. At the end of the Gospel of John, near the end of John's account of Jesus' life, John gives us his, his thesis statement, or his reason for writing his entire Gospel. In John chapter 20, verse 30, he says this, Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these, these stories that I've written, I've written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. That's the reason that John writes his book. I wrote these particular stories down so that you would believe that Jesus is the Christ and that through him that you would have Zoe, eternal, abundant life in his name. John knows that he has good news to tell. That in his life he got to see and to touch and to hear Jesus. And when he heard and he saw and he touched Jesus, he experienced a Zoe kind of life, an eternal life. And now he wants us to know and experience that same kind of life as well. And so he writes us these stories at Jesus so that we would know that Jesus is the Christ so that through him we may have life. And so what I want to suggest to you today is that one of the main ways for you to think about what it means to be a follower of Jesus is to think about the work that God is doing in your life to move you from a bios life, only focusing on things under the sun, to a life of Zoe. The Spirit is at work in your life, transferring you from a life that is only focused on bios sorts of life, the everyday needs of our life, the immediate physical pleasures, the things that we can see, life under the sun. He is moving us from bios life to zoe life, to move you from being a person that is consumed, not with gaining the things that are necessary or pleasurable for this life, but to a person who lives for and pursues godly, eternal, spiritual things. 
When we are born into the world as an infant, we're only interested in bios. Give me milk. I need to sleep. I need touched. I need to be, be warm. And all of those things are good. They are gifts from God. Bios life is a gift from God. But as we grow older, we do begin to sense that there is something more to life than just those things. Something more that we want, something deeper in our soul, that that there's this big hole that's waiting to be filled. And it's a Zoe kind of life. That's what our hearts were made for, that eternal life made for relationship with God. And as Augustine said, that our hearts are always going to be restless until we find that life, until we find our rest in Christ. Living a bios life, that is, only pursuing the things that you can see and taste and touch, simply will not satisfy the deeper longings of your heart. We were made for Zoe, and our hearts will be restless until they find it. C.S. Lewis said, said this in Mere Christianity. He's, he's talking about what, what our focus in our life should be. And, and he says this, he says, Aim at heaven, and you will get earth thrown in. If you aim at earth, you will get neither. Aim at heaven, and you'll get earth thrown in. If you aim at earth, you will grow neither, or you will gain neither. Let me rephrase Lewis's quote. Aim at Zoe, and you'll get the good things of Bios thrown in. If you just aim at Bios, you'll get neither Bios nor Zoe. Or Jesus said it this way. Seek first the kingdom of God, and then all of these things will be added to you. If I could be bold enough to paraphrase for the purposes of our sermon today, seek first Zoe, and the good things of Bios will be added to you as well. Bios is good, but it is not Zoe. Zoe contains Bios in it, but Bios is too small to contain the abundant eternal life that God has for us in this Zoe kind of life. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. Jesus came to bring you life, eternal life. And one of the main ways that we can think about our life of discipleship and growing up and maturing in Christ is to see the ways that day by day that the Lord is moving us and shaping us from a life that's focused on the things of bios, things of life here under the sun, to things of Zoe. And so there's two, so how do we receive Zoe life? There's two different stories in the Gospel of John that I want to look at today about how we receive Zoe. Two different ways in the Gospel of John that talks about how we receive Zoe. And the first is by believing, and the second is by following the Good Shepherd. How do we receive Zoe? First, by believing, and second, by following the good shepherd. In John chapter 3, a man named Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night. And Nicodemus is a teacher in Israel. He knows a lot of stuff about the Hebrew scriptures. And he's been listening to this man named Jesus, and he senses some things that are compelling to him. He sensed, I think, Zoe in Jesus. He sensed the truth that John said in the first chapter, that in him was life. And I need to get some of what Jesus is offering. 
And so Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night and asks Jesus if he can teach him about this eternal life that he's been talking about. And over the course of their conversation, eventually Jesus says these words to Nicodemus. Nicodemus, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Have you heard those words before? They were spoken by Jesus to Nicodemus, this teacher of Israel, this man who came to Jesus looking for the secrets of eternal life. The first step to experience Zoe is to believe. To believe. What does it mean to believe? I want to suggest to you that believing is not simply agreeing about the truth of an idea in our heads. Believing in Jesus is not saying the sinner's prayer and striking some sort of eternal deal with God at one moment in our life. To believe is to live our lives as if something was true. To believe is to live our lives as if something was true. You've probably heard the illustration of the the tightrope walker over Niagara Falls who takes a wheelbarrow and walks it across Niagara Falls on a tightrope. And then he walks backwards all the way back to where the crowd is. And they're all cheering for him. Good job. You did an amazing job. And he says, does anyone believe that I could walk this wheelbarrow across the tightrope with somebody sitting in it? And everybody says, yes, we believe you can do it. And then he asks, who would like to get in? That is belief. We can say in our minds, yeah, we believe you can do that. But until we get into the wheelbarrow, we don't really believe. To truly believe is to live as if it were true. To act, to not simply say we agree with an idea that Jesus is our Savior, but to live as if that was true. So what does God say to Nicodemus? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him, wheelbarrow kind of belief, they will not die but have everlasting life. The first step of Zoe is to believe that God loves the world so much, loves you so much that he sent his son into the world to die so that you and I could live. When you believe, when you get a hint at wheelbarrow kind of belief in who God is and what his love is for you, you don't recover from that. This is something that changes us. When you believe, when you believe that the creator of the universe knows you and that he loves you. That an all-knowing, all-powerful creator and Lord of all things, that he knows the very best parts of you, and he knows the very worst parts of you, and he loves you. When you know that and believe that, it changes you. You become born again. That's what Jesus talked about with Nicodemus earlier in this conversation. That if you want to experience the kingdom of God, if you want to experience eternal life, you must be born again. When you come to believe this about God, Lord, I loved how you pointed out in Psalm 8 that he has crowned us with glory and honor. 
that there is something about you in your life that he just loves and delights in, that he loves and delights in you. Gary, he likes you. He doesn't only love you, but he likes you. When you begin to understand that and know how far he went in order that we could be in relationship with him, that, and we believe that, that makes us born again. New people. We've stepped into a new reality when we begin to truly believe that with wheelbarrow kind of faith. The first step in experiencing Zoe is to believe. To believe that God loves this world, that God loves you so much that he sent Jesus so that when we believe in him, when we put our whole weight and trust in him, that through that we will experience eternal life, Zoe, now and forever. So the first way, the first step in receiving Zoe is to believe, really believe, not just believe in some, some good ideas, believe in uh, some thought heard some preacher say at some point, but to truly believe, to place our weight and our trust in him. That's the first step in receiving Zoe. The second is by following the good shepherd. Turn with me to John chapter 10, and I'm going to read verses 10 through 13. John 10, 10 through 13, John writes, or Jesus says, and John records, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life. What kind of life? Zoe. I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Jesus said that he came to give us life, abundant life, abundant Zoe. And that abundant life is experienced when we follow the good shepherd. I was talking with a, a friend of mine this past week who grew up his whole life knowing who Jesus was. His, his dad was in pastoral ministry. He's now almost 40 years old. And he said that for the first time in his life, he's learning to live in relationship with God that's not lived out of a place of shame and anxiety. That's not lived out of a place of shame and anxiety. He's been learning recently that he can actually engage in practices of prayer and reading scripture that are simply about being with God and enjoying God and enjoying a relationship with him. And that reading the scriptures or praying is, is not for the purpose of trying to fix some problem or figure something out or perform in some way or accomplish something but for the first time in his life is beginning to engage in practices of prayer and scripture where he is simply enjoying being with God, being with the good shepherd. And it's transforming to him. And I don't think that his experience is all that unique. I wonder if that experience rings true to you at all. To consider how much of your spiritual life is motivated by shame or anxiety. You read your Bible and pray because you know that you should, rather than in response to a sincere desire to know and love God. The elders were on a retreat uh, just Friday and Saturday this week, and uh, Mike Bowden was with us, um, a, a great mentor for a lot of us. And he talked about how we, 
when we start talking about all the things that we should do for God, that we begin, that our spiritual life begins to become about obligation. And we start to walk really close to shame and not relationship. Or maybe your prayer life has become only about responding to and praying for all of the needs that are out there in the world, about your concerns for the direction of our country or for the problems in your family or the problems in your life. Well, that sort of prayer is very important in the Christian life. Sometimes our prayer life can be filled with only those sorts of things. And that can cause us, even in our prayer life, to be anxious rather than to enjoy rest in the presence of God. Did you know that it's okay to not be anxious? Did you know that it's okay to not be anxious? As a follower of Jesus, you don't need to be anxious. Sometimes it seems to me that we Christians are some of the most anxious people around. And I think that comes partly from the fact that we know more than others how messed up our world really is. We have different eyes to see how crooked our world really is. Christians are anxious often, I think, because we love God and we love this world that he's made and we want it to be better than what it is. And so we're anxious to see that happen. But friends, the world will not be fixed by our anxiety. And we don't stay safe because of our fears. The world will be fixed by the good shepherd. So I ask you today, can you trust him? Do you trust him? Abundant life is available by learning to follow and to trust and to hear and recognize the voice of the good shepherd in your life. In John 10, the sheep get nervous and scared and anxious only when they're listening to a different voice, either the voice of the thief or the hired hand. And friends, those voices are everywhere. Fear and anxiety make lots and lots and lots of money. As human beings, fear and anxiety are strong motivators to action. And so we have to learn to filter out the voices that encourage us to be afraid, that encourage us to be anxious, and listen to the quiet voice of the Good Shepherd. In John 10, the sheep are at rest when they're listening to and responding to the voice of the Good Shepherd. That is where abundant life comes from, by discerning his voice. Some of you may say, Ryan, there's so much wrong in the world. Don't we need to be anxious to see those things get right? Don't we have an obligation as Christians to set those things right? Shouldn't we be active in seeing things that are crooked made straight? And I say, yes, we need to be concerned about those. Those things are true, that our world is crooked and God wants to use us to bring about his good in the world. Following the good shepherd is active. It's not passive. And when we listen to the good shepherd, he will call you to act. He will fill you with his spirit to move and to act and to bring your passions and your desires and your gifts to the world. But so often we don't trust that he's really going to get come through to do all of that. We don't trust the good shepherd, that if we'll be patient and listen, that he will go about doing the work that he wants to do. Will we trust him? Will we trust that when we listen to his voice, that he will equip us and call each one of us to those parts of this crooked world that will actually lead to our actions bringing life to the world? 
Experiencing Zoe comes from following the voice of the Good Shepherd. And so I want to ask you today, what voices do you listen to that cause you to be anxious? What voices do you listen to that cause you to be full of fear? Those voices are at best hired hands and possibly even the thief. And they may be causing you to live a life full of anxiety and fear. Even your prayer life, even your your life of, of reading the scriptures, even your life of doing good things may be motivated by anxiety and fear rather than a response to the voice of the good shepherd. Zoe life begins when we believe that God, the creator of all things, loved us and that he calls us into a real relationship with him where we live day by day with the good shepherd. I want to finish today with uh, another quote from from C.S. Lewis. It's a little bit longer, but I just want you to listen in and to, to pay attention to what he has to say here. He talks here about bios and zoe and the difference of those two different ideas in the Greek language. He says this, nature in the form of air, water, and food, etc., is bios. The spiritual life, which is in God from all eternity and which made the whole natural universe, is zoe. Bios has, to be sure, a certain shadowy and symbolic resemblance to zoe, but only the sort of resemblance there is between a photo of a place or a statue and a man. A man who changed from from having bias, bias to having zoe would have gone through as big a change as a statue, which changed from being a carved stone into being a real man. And that is precisely what Christianity is all about. This world is a great sculptor's shop. We we are the statues. And there is a rumor going around the shop that some of us someday are going to come to life. As we prepare to celebrate Christmas, let's ask ourselves what sort of life we are living for, bios or zoe. Are we day by day moving from bios, only being concerned about life under the sun, or moving towards the grace and love and peace and communion and unity with others that God offers to us through Zoe life? Are we beginning day by day to experience the eternal sort of life that God offers to us through his son, the Logos, the Zoe, and the good shepherd of our souls? Day by day, are we moving toward that life with him? Lord, I ask today that we would be people who, who believe. And Lord, if there is anyone who is here today who does not yet believe, who has not yet placed their trust in you, God, I pray that this would be the day where they believe, where they get into the wheelbarrow and have a wheelbarrow sort of belief that you, that you can carry them that you are worthy to hold all of their hopes, all of their faith. And I pray for each one of us that we would learn to discern the voice of the Good Shepherd, that we would not live our lives, especially our spiritual lives, in response to anxiety or to fear or to shame, but that we would live our lives daily in response to your voice. Lord, we ask that you would help us to do that by your Spirit. Amen.